It's time to get it, and you know how we get it. Americano! The podcast about all things business and personal growth with your host, Eric Vonheim. Today, I would like to welcome Chef Bita to the show. Chef, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. You are welcome anytime to our show. Where are we at today? Let the people know. Where are we at? We are busy as ever. Um, what else? Building this business, building a brand, and figuring out how to do that along the way, I think. Um, yeah. It's been fun. It's been kind of a crazy ride, that's for sure. Um, things are changing all the time, which is kind yeah. of a cool part of this business. Yeah, so so you, you presently are in the middle of building a business, and in proximity, we are in Orange County, right? Right, Orange in- County, yep. Um, servicing Los Angeles and San Diego as well. Anything kind of in... Southern California just depends on what the that's the fun of like um, custom catering and private chef world right it's like wherever somebody has a gig in New Orleans cool you're in New Orleans someone has a wedding in Thailand I guess we're going to Thailand like you go wherever the work is right you're not really based out of anywhere which is kind of fun I like this you know our guests listening are probably wondering my god we have we have food we have travel let let, where are we at let's let's talk about this real quick so for our audience that's listening Chef Beat and I have known each other for many years now. Um, we met at uh, Angelina's Pizzeria in Irvine, California. And when I first met her, uh, I knew right away that here's somebody that was going to be moving and shaking, that was passionate, that did, that wanted to make some moves on her own. And she now has a business of her own. But what I want to do today is I want to roll the tape back just a little bit. Can you share with our audience a little bit of background? Who is Chef Bita? How does Chef Bita become who she is today? I think I've, I'm trying to figure that out myself as well. I've had um, quite a different background, I would say. I grew up uh, in a Persian family, a Persian household in um, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Okay. Um, was there until about 18. After high school, I moved to Seattle for college. I studied biology in college. Uh, you're biology. Right. Wow. I think growing like up. Like Petri dishes and stuff? Right, exactly. Like did, cutting frogs, oh, these yeah. type of things? Like doing, um, dissecting cats, I think is was you my 12th grade project. Right. Um, I I think growing up in a Persian family, you have like five choices. You can be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, maybe a pharmacist, right? Like you don't get to choose. You don't get to be whatever you want to be. You get to be whatever your parents hope that you will become. (laughs) (laughs) I said hope. You said instruct tomato, tomato. Whatever they tell you to do, right? So um, from the beginning, I think I also, I had braces when I was younger. So I was like, oh, this is cool. Like my orthodontist, you know, comes in, checks in. This is a good job, like makes good money. This is something, no problem. I was always good in sciences. Math and science was like my strongest field. So I picked that from the beginning and I never really considered anything else. Mm -hmm. I never, um, I never bothered to like look into what am I curious about? What do I like to do? What interests me? What is, what's feeding my soul? It was always like, oh, this is a good job. You make good money. This is one of the Mm -hmm. qualified positions according to your parents. (laughs) Okay, cool. This is what you're going for. So I did like from the beginning, I just studied biology, went to college. um, And I was at the University of Washington, graduated from there, um, applied for dental school. And I remember in the three months that I was studying for the DAT exam, I was having like meltdown after meltdown because of course I was digesting the information and I was able to like regurgitate the information and pass the exams and do well on the exams. But I worked for a dental office for two years in my last um, couple years of college. And I'm like, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? 
So that, that was weighing on you. I mean, you're going through the motions, right. you're having success, but it's it's weighing on you. Yeah, you're good at it. So it was it was like, yeah, okay, this is fun and I'm good at it and I have success with it. And But do I want to do this forever? And I've always, I think, internally been the rebel of oh, yeah. the family. <laughs> For our listeners out there, she looks like the rebel in the family. <laughs> I'm always the one that's like coming up with new ideas, yeah. like going against the grain, you know, my poor dad, my gosh, my poor dad. I feel like he, he and I are so close and I think that's why we butt heads also is because he wants the best for me, right? Always. Yeah. Um, but I have put him through the dirt, I'm sure he, anyway, so um, studied for the DAT exam, took this test and I took my cousin home with me for, I was in Seattle at this point. My parents okay. were living here in California. Took my cousin home with me for Christmas and I'm like, hey, can you, you wanna come home for the holidays? She's like, yeah, sure. My cousin is like my soulmate, my ride or die. Okay. So she comes home with me and we're sitting at dinner um, at my parents' house and my brother's there, my mom's there and my dad's like, how did the exam go, the DAT? Have you applied for dental school yet? How's everything mm. going? So he's and trying to make sure his investment is uh, oh, yeah. gonna pay off. And he of course funded my schooling, right? So well, yeah, okay, these are legitimate was, questions to be are, asking. Right, yeah. so these, these are, I mean, I get why he reacted the way he did. But I was like, oh yeah, the DAT was great, and I applied for dental school, and I have, you know, like between six and eight months between I or before I find out, you know, what's going to happen and okay. where I'm going to go. And um, in the meantime, this is how I like slid it. Oh, in. here we go. In Here's the meantime, the... I think I'm going to go to culinary school. You just slipped that in. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, those are very similar. (laughs) And of course, like, I remember telling my friend, I'm like glued to Food Network. I've always been glued to the Food Network. And I watch these shows all the time and I daydream about like what it would be like to be Giada and what it would be like to be, you know, on Who's your favorite? Like, who was your favorite? I just like them all because they're so different. And what was cool was that they could each be themselves and Mm -hmm. they each offered something different. And as you're watching the channel, you get so many different... You're watching food, but you get so many different views and so many different perspectives and so many different recipes and so many different ways of doing the same thing, right? It's like, how do you make lasagna 500 ways, for example, you know what I mean? And each person that you watch, you get a different feel for um, for that. And that's the cool thing about this industry, right? It's like, there's no one way to do something. So you can do it however you wanna do it. And if it tastes great, well then cool, people are gonna love it. That to me was so cool. Um, I think, I remember telling my friend I was like crying during studying for this DET exam, and she was like, "What do you want to do?" And I'm like, "Wouldn't it be so cool to do this?" To like, what was it? Was the Food Channel playing on the? TV? Oh yeah, always. Be a food okay, so you're chef. studying and you're crying, and then <laughs> wouldn't it be cool just to do and that? I'm daydreaming about being an Iron Chef, right? <laughs> that was the that was the real thing. And she looks at me and she was like, "Why don't you do that?" And of course, in my mind, I'm like, "Well, first, because I'm not allowed, right? right. That's like the first thing. Like, how could I?" And the second thing, I feel like food from I mean, it's been now over 10 years. 10 years ago until now is very different, right? Mm-hmm. You, you mean in terms of food? In terms of Because I have some strong opinion. I feel I feel like I grew up in the steam vegetable generation. Really? <laughs> right. Okay. So hasn't it changed? Oh, yeah. 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 Hey, food no, hey shout changed. out. No disrespect to my mom because I know she'll be listening to this. But mom, I'm, we're sauteing vegetables now. Right. <laughs> we're grilling vegetables. Oh, even point. we're grilling them now. So um, I never, and I thought also like, if you want to be a chef, the option is to be a chef in a restaurant, right? Where you're working 12 to 18 hours a day and you're making next to no money and your whole life is there. And what is there other than to just work your way up in a restaurant? And and then again, it's the same thing over and over again, Right. right? You're cooking somebody else's menu. 
you're cooking the restaurant's menu. Yeah. Um, but but real quick, so you know, so taking this back a little bit, so you slid in this idea of hey hey dad. But I'd already know. registered. I already enrolled in. Yeah, college. of course you did. You of registered. <laughs> of course you had to register. You already had the start date. So you just kind of like bringing him up to speed. Right. All right, I'm showing up. I've got culinary. What do you think about culinary school, even though you're heading there on next week? And of course he was like, what do you mean you want to go to culinary school? And I'm like, of course, calculated yeah, yeah. response. I was like, well, dad, I have like, you know, six or eight months before I hear back from school and then it'll be summer. And so by the time I start, this program is only a nine month program. I already have a degree, right? I have a yeah. bachelor's in biology. So the, the culinary program that I took at Cordon Bleu was only the cooking portion of it. Okay. So it was like nine to 12 months. It was, it was under a year. So in my mind, I'm like, I'll just yeah. do this in the meantime while I'm waiting and see what happens. This is, you know, it'll just build a skill on the side. My, yeah, you're like, you guys want to eat, right, Dad? Right. <laughs> My dad turned the whole house upside down. Like, turned the table over. I was crying. My cousin was crying. My really? mom was crying. Oh, it was yeah. It was got dramatic real quick. Oh, he was pissed. Yeah. And we've been through this before, you know, where... Um, if things go, God bless my dad. And I say this because I'm carbon copy of him, right? Yeah. So I am his daughter. If things go his way, things are great. If things don't go his way, <laughs> things are not going I don't know so anybody great. like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at myself in the mirror. Yeah. Oh man. So um, it didn't go so well. And he yeah. asked, what's your plan? And that question will forever haunt me because I was like, well, I don't have a plan, but I'll figure it out, right? Now, r real quick, so just so I can under understand a little bit about your dad, um, entrepreneur or? Entrepreneur, yeah. He's an entrepreneur. Didn't go to college himself. Um, he and my mom moved here both separately from Iran, and okay. we're going to school, we're going to college in Vancouver, and then the revolution happened, and so it's either you go back and go to war, or you stay here and apply for refugee status, right? right. Which which the thousands of other immigrants did the same thing. Exactly. Um, so they did, I think, what any immigrant did you know and they found somebody who they worked well with and they found a partner and a teammate and they built a family and they worked their ass off and my dad is like the businessman of the world you know like he's done so many he's been a pizza delivery boy he's been a cook in a restaurant he's been dishwasher he's been aircraft technician he's done you know like are you, you sure he's not jamaican <laughs> <laughs> you know that was coming for those that understand the name jamaican <laughs> in living color crafty people yeah you love name it. it they can do it right so i grew up my whole life seeing um him adapt and change and our mm -hmm. lifestyle changed and adapted and yeah. sometimes he was not home very much because he was working three jobs and sometimes you know we were going on these lavish vacations all of a sudden and we moved into a brand new house and we all got bmws and it was like he got into real estate and we saw we lived our lives on both ends of the spectrum yeah. right i grew up the beginning part of my life um we were making ends meet and my parents were both at work and we didn't know any difference. So we didn't think anything of it. And then um, after the fourth grade, I think my my parents built this house. And my dad was in real estate and it was like overnight yeah. we lived a very different life. Yeah, but, but that was but but the basis of that was your father, your parents right. together, because, you know, it's two parts, right? Uh, building this foundation and looking out for for the family right right and making those sacrifices you you made an interesting point about when you're young and you're living in an environment which you think as you get older is uh, maybe not so pleasant or doesn't have everything right uh, it's all relative right because and I know you love to travel the world I, I've seen kids in places in the world where 
there's no running water and there's they're living in tin sheds but you know they're outside kicking a ball and they're, they're smiling so and they're happy and uh, you know, you look at those moments and of course, if we come from where we do, we have a different perspective, but th they don't know any different right. and they're just generally happy. Right. That's the thing. I think that was a key point of like the way my brother and I are now because we have everything we want, right? Mm -hmm. We live in Southern California. We have nice cars. We live in a good house, like, but we didn't live that way to begin with. Yeah. So, and to watch, um, my parents, both my, my mom, she took care of my dad and she took care of the house and she took care of me, my brother and I, and she worked. Right. Right. And she took on a very big role in our family. And my dad on the other side was literally busting his butt day in and day out. And we saw, um, as they say, the fruits of his labor, right? Like right, they, right. we saw like, if you bust your ass, this is what you get. Exactly. If you don't want to bust your ass, cool. This is the life that you get. Yeah. So it was cool for us. I think that was very ingrained in the way that we grew up because my brother and I both are hustlers. You we, got, the, you got the best part of that. That's the educational right. component. <laughs> right. You know, and, and that's so critical that you, you point this out, but parents play such a significant role in the development of their children. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, how hard they're going to work, how they're going to value money, all these different things. And so you got a world-class education right from your parents. From the beginning. Yeah. And that was cool. I think to him also, that was part of why his reaction was so strong was because yeah. he was like, you've seen how hard I've had to work for us to live this life. Right. But if you choose this route, this going to dental school and becoming an orthodontist, you will live a very easy life. You will make good money. Your family will live well. Your kids will live well. Like, don't do this to and yourself. And we will get free dental <laughs> free cleaning dental and exams. <laughs> and now they're getting free dinner every, and you should see, my God, before my dad was like, quote unquote, unsupportive. And now he's inviting his friends for oh, dinner and he's inviting <laughs> my daughter's a chef and come over for dinner. And now I'm like, oh, now you want to be supportive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Now that you're eating these love great it. meals, now you're supportive, love... but it comes with time. Yeah, you know? yeah. And another good point you make, I mean, a lot of times, and the reason why I'd ask the question about your dad and his background is because I feel like, you know, every parent wants the best for their children. Right. And I think that some parents obviously put their children on paths around lawyers and dental and these high, high earning professions because mm -hmm. they want them to have an easier life than they had. And they understand that the education in these uh, maybe careers provide a better life, right? right? But then your dad being an entrepreneur, he can probably also really appreciate that you're his daughter right. and that DNA is in you and, <laughs> and you got to see that from him. Yeah. So he can't be too surprised that you want to follow uh, that entrepreneurial path. Exactly. I think that's the thing too, right? He's like, we've done all this to make things easy for you and you're going against the grain. And I'm looking at him like, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> like, I am your daughter. What were you expecting me to do? You know, just like follow along and twiddle my thumbs like exactly i am your child right like don't forget that so. yeah so okay so you know so the, the you know at first it's like oh my gosh you know and then again then that calms down and now it's like okay what's the plan we don't have a plan no plan and and so you make it clear you're going off on this path and with culinary school yeah so you head down this path what next? I mean, you just fall in love. I mean, you get to school and it, everything from the world of biology, your background's out the door. Out the door. But, and I but never you've even... been watching the Food Network TV and all this stuff. So you, and you're, I'm sure you, you're ready to cook. You're ready to get in there. Where do you start? Right. I think also, too, people are like, oh, did you, you must have grown up in the kitchen. And my parents both are badass cooks, right? My yeah. mom is very traditional. Bad as in good or bad as in good. bad? Very you know, that's good, a, right? yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> my mom is very traditional. Like she okay. makes Persian food like a queen. 
mean. She can whip up. She's like, oh, we're just having something simple. And and you come over and there's like a spread, right? Like, oh, yeah. And she does it in hours and effortlessly, so it seems. And my dad is the opposite. My dad is like the leftover king. He's the guy that will open the fridge and there's, I remember, mac and cheese, leftover craft dinner macaroni and cheese. Mm. I was like eight. Yeah. And leftover chili. And all of a sudden we had... Mac and cheese chili. Spicy mac and cheese. <laughs> and he is so good at that. So good at like putting putting things together. Junk together yeah. to create something. And that's the point, right? So um, I grew up always eating very well and being in a family that was well fed, um, but I never cooked growing up. I never, I was never in the kitchen. You were recipient of these amazing meals. I just ate well. It was a very chubby child. You ate well. (laughs) All right. That's good. (laughs) It was good. So um, went to, yeah, I mean, fast forward, I guess, went through culinary school and myself every day, I remember I would go to school and I was always doing very well. I had top of my class. I graduated with honors. I was succeeding. You know, I was I was obviously performing. I was digesting the information very easily. And, and I was, the food. And the food. <laughs> and the food, yes. Um, and, it all, and it came, again, very easy to me. But still, towards the end, I was like, I, what? Uh, so now what? So yeah. you graduate, and now what? My, um... Now, was this around the time that you and I had met? Were you in school at that point in time, or was this sort of afterwards? This was before. This was probably um, eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this has been a while then. This is a while ago. This was back in Seattle still. Yeah. Okay, back in Seattle. So I went to the Cordon Bleu in Seattle there, um, and my career counselor at the Cordon Bleu, Corey Trable, he is the savior of my life. He was always so supportive and he just was one of those guys where he was like, I see something in you Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to let it go. And he didn't, right? It was like these emails would pop up of these experiences or of these um, opportunities and he would email me and he would pester me. And it was annoying at that point because I'm like, man, leave me alone. I'm working full time. I'm in school. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm in culinary school. Like, stop forcing these things. And he was like, (laughs) you need to do this. You need to get on this. You need to apply this. Right. And towards the end, he was like, um, okay, your program is done, and now you have to do your externship in order to graduate. This opportunity came up on Woodby Island. My career counselor at that point was like, you know, you got to take this opportunity. Um, There's a chef who's coming out of Meadowood in Napa Valley, which is like a top-tier award-winning restaurant. And he's the former executive chef there, and he has just bought a piece of property on Woodby Island, which is um, part of the San Juans off of Seattle. Okay. is that the Puget Sound area? Right. Okay. Yeah. Bought this piece of property and he's building a farm to table and he needs an intern. This is going to be the best thing for you. And there was, I think, like 35 other students from our school who were applying for this position for the intern. And okay, sounds good. Sure, I'll apply for it, whatever. Like, I don't, sure, I'll send in an application. Yeah. Filled out the application, met with the guy, had an interview, had another interview, had a third interview, came in for a fourth interview. And at this point, I'm like, man, because this guy, and if he hears this, my God, he knows, Vincent Natras, he is a badass chef. Like, he is so good at what he does, but what a jerk, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And this is no surprise to him, because I feel like... Is he like a Gordon Ramsay equivalent? Exactly. Like, it's hard to hate him because he's so good, you know? But at the same time, you're like, if you were just a little bit nicer, (laughs) we could get along so much better, you know? So um, by the end of the program, turns out that out of the 35 people who applied for this position, I was the one who got it. You got it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I guess we're moving to Woodby Island. He was like, um, 
if you want this position, you're going to have to start now. And my program didn't end for, I think, a month. So I yeah. was like, okay, well, on the week, how about this? On the, I have school Monday through Thursday, so on Friday I'll take a ferry out to Whidbey Island and I'll, I'll work with you Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come back Sunday night, finish for the next month until the program is done, right. and then I can commit to you full-time. He goes, by commit to you full-time, you mean you're moving here to the farm, right? I'm not a farm You're not a farm person. person. <laughs> <laughs> if you you don't have any Amish blood in you? <laughs> I'm not a farm type girl. I don't like bugs. I'm not crazy about dirt. I don't like being dirty. Like I'm not a, um, I'm not ditzy, you yeah. know, but I don't, it's the bugs, I think. Yeah. And the roosters. Who likes bugs? Right. Not me. Yeah, yeah. Specifically. So I was like, yeah, 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 sure. Whatever. Like you do whatever you have to do to get the job done. Right. Okay. So, okay, cool. So I get onto this farm the first day and I'm like, oh shit. Like, what did I sign myself up for? And of course it's like. I don't remember exactly, but it was something like 10 acres of property and there was a farmhouse and there was four or five other buildings um, on this property. And there were two farmers, Blake and Jake, for example. Blake and Jake. And they were... Very um, catchy. Right. And and the family, Chef Vincent's family was incredible. Um, Tyler, his wife, is a beautiful woman and they have two kids and they're so beautiful. And they just live this very simple, um, free life all of a sudden that like they were so excited about they bought this property and they started farming and they were growing produce on their land and the point was they were renting we were renting a um, kitchen not too far away Um, but the point was that this just happened they just bought this stuff they just moved in from napa valley to woodby island right so the idea for them was um chef vincent at that point was also a private chef which i didn't have a, a big background on private chef right like okay. what is it to be who, what does it mean to be a private chef right who are these private chefs and what do they do and who do they service and what kind of money are they making because at the end of the day like for me um it's not about the money right but i am looking to live a certain lifestyle sure so those two things go hand in hand i'm happy to bust my butt i'm happy to live this dream and build a career but that goes because i want to live the lifestyle that i want to live and as you've said before like i am a traveling bug i am like any chance for me it's like you stick it out and grind for two months and take off peace out i am out of here for three weeks right and this seems to be the reoccurring um, lifestyle that I live. It's like I pack things on back to back and I have like three, four events sometimes in a day and cool, I'll be exhausted because I'm going to Thailand. I'm going to the Philippines. You <laughs> know you're just an event away from a cocktail. Right, I am out of here. So I think this, it was very appealing to me that I could build this life and okay. all of a sudden it's like, oh, you can do what you love, which in my opinion, like 80% of people in the world don't get to do that. Right. You have to pick a job because you have to pay the bills or because people are depending on you. And that's the card that you were dealt. That's it. That's the life you live. So for me, all of a sudden, I'm like, you know, I have supportive now, supportive parents and And well-fed parents. Right. And everything that I need. And I'm in a position to where, like, if this is what I want to do, like you are the only one who is in the way of your own success. Right. So I'm not in my own way. Let me get after everything that, that I'm that I'm getting after. Yeah. So, so oh, so you you start off on this path in Seattle just shortly after school. You come to realize that you you really have fallen in love with this uh, with the possibility of being a chef, being involved on a day to day basis with food and creating things and and all the learning and the di- the digestion that you mm-hmm. refer to. Fast forward a little bit. 
you come back to Orange County and what happens next? Do you just start working and, and doing various things and, and then something in the back of your mind is saying, ah, I, I want to build something on my own. How does this come? I think, I think, um, it's, it's been, uh, it's been like, it's crazy because in a short amount of time, for example, it's not like I've been doing this in this industry since I was 18. I started late, technically. I started when I was like 20, um, 25, 24, which, which, you know, according to the, the world of culinary is late. If you're not cooking when you're 16, like you're behind already. Uh, and my experience was very, because I was already older and because I was already, um, already had a degree and I already knew what I wanted, um, I say know what I wanted, but also I had no idea what I wanted, right? I had no idea of this industry. I had no clue what I was in for. Um, but in a short amount of time, I think I I threw myself into very different situations um, and wholeheartedly. Like when I was working on Woodby Island, I was doing farm to table, right? And all of a sudden, I remember his, vo- his voice in the back of my mind always, Bita, this is where the food comes from. Because I was washing bags of dirty spinach and I'm like the bugs on the dirt and he he just kept saying this is where the food comes from anyways so I went from there to New Orleans all of a sudden it was like okay I'm done with this private chef job I'm done with this farm to table I'm done with quote-unquote learning where the food comes from Um, which to me was the best experience smack in the face like you want to be a chef you want to learn what it is to have sustainable food and have farmers and to you know do this here you go yeah. here's here's four months of of in your face straight that i went from there to new orleans i got um, an opportunity to work for commander's palace which is one of the oldest standing restaurants in north america it's been open for like a hundred and i don't know over a hundred years in the same building wow no uh, commander's palace is the beast of the south and my um, instructor who i graduated from in culinary school used to work there when he was younger. Okay. So now his best friend, Tori McPhail, who's the executive chef there, was like, I met him when I went down there. He was like, we could use you. We'd love to have you. I've heard great things about you. Essentially moved me down to New Orleans. And that was another thing where it was like, I didn't think that that was, that was nowhere in the plans. I, you know, told my parents, oh, I'm in Woodby Island. And the next day I was like, hey dad, I'm moving to New Orleans. <laughs> my dad was, my poor dad. Oh, he's probably losing it. Oh, I've given him so many heart attacks, yeah. I'm sure. He's losing but sleep along the way. He was like, you want to learn how to cook? I always remember this. You want to learn how to cook? Go to New York. Go to Napa Valley. Go to these high-end places. And I didn't have a reason to give him. I didn't have like a, I didn't have anything to say until I was done with New Orleans. Okay. I was there for a year. Again, a short amount of time. But it was a smack in the face of, of um, a very different perspective on food and what it means to feed someone yeah. right and, and the food there's amazing it's amazing but it's not done with top-notch you know you go from woodby island where you're growing your own produce and you know what's in it to all of a sudden you're in new orleans where you're cooking with scraps and you're cooking with not organic and you're cooking with mm-hmm. you know the leftovers and you have 100 percent humidity and your oven doesn't work and there are cockroaches in the kitchen and that's that's what it is and still you can put out a meal and people will pay a hundred dollars for it Right. Wow. That's what it means to feed your community. When you when they you see these um, clips on videos where like the community is making gumbo and the neighbors come over and 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 there is a feeling around that. Right. There's a purpose around. It's a community. Food. Food right. is. It's not just food. Right. It's love. It's community. It's passion. It's right. bringing people together. Taking it's history. Somebody, right? It's taking care of somebody. 
So I went from one extreme to the other. Uh, and in my opinion, it, it that also wasn't really it. Um, that wasn't for me. I was working in a restaurant. It was very high paced. We were doing 500 covers for lunch. Like, you think HR? There's no HR wow. when, when the people in the kitchen and commander's palace <laughs> yeah, we, 500 covers, we have no time for breathing HR. Breathing down your neck, swearing, yelling, screaming, like if you don't like it. And of course, to be the other side of it is to be young and to be a woman and to be in this industry is also very hard, right? Because you have all these head honchos and all these men who think like, what are you doing in the kitchen? This isn't for you. This You can't hang with us. This that's a little bit backwards, isn't it? Because now, So the men have taken over the kitchen here. Right. Well, it, it, I think that's traditionally how it's always been. From the chef perspective? From the chef perspective, okay. right. You don't have very many. A woman is in the kitchen at home. Right. But, but not in the restaurants as, or some of the top. Right. Okay. Well, not anymore. Right now. Oh, it's like so you see different. all these women here. Yeah. But, but back then. So so that was the thing was like you go from one extreme to the other. And, and I knew I'm like, OK, the restaurant experience is good for me to have in my career. But yeah. this also isn't where I'm fitting in. But you're still learning and growing. Right. So you leave you leave NOLA. Leave New Orleans. Then. OK, so then you come to California. And um, at that point, even still, I was like, OK, so you've done the private chef gig. You've done the farm to table thing. You've done the um, restaurants and and that's also not it. So I came here and I started working with caterers. Um, and I was with 24 Carats and I was with Creme de la Creme. And um, in my mind, I'm like, okay, if this is where you're going to be, then then start working for people who are already doing what you're doing and see what they're doing and how they're doing it and who they're working with and find out who your competition is. So for the first year that I was here, I took the back seat definitely in my career, right? I just worked minimum wage and worked dead end jobs. And, but I learned so much. Yeah. There is something, there are a handful of um, people in my life who have been so influential, right? And, and they've all been chefs from different um, areas of my life, right? And, and I was working for Chef Steven at Creme de la Creme and he has taught me so much, so much about this industry, so much about catering and about, again, private chef and about this, like how to do things and how to prep things and how to be. And I learn very fast. And, and for me, it's like, I already, this was, I knew this was. It's innate, it's right? in you. So for me, it was like, it didn't take so long. I did it, I was working for him for not even a year. And I was like, thanks, bye, see you later, bye. <laughs> like running out the door, yeah. I'm on to do my own thing. I always had like a part-time job for fear that like, okay, I gotta pay the bills and I gotta do this and this, but if I'm gonna grow this business, I started it started just on Instagram with the hashtag Beats Eats, right? Yeah, so let, let's, let's just jump right into this. I wanna get right into the business, okay? <laughs> because I feel like there was, a, there was a gap from the last time I saw you to now all of a sudden, you, you're running your own business. Right. And uh, Chef Bita, for our listeners out there, has an, uh, an awesome, um, you gotta check her out on Instagram, we'll get to that, but uh, your logo, is awesome. Thank you. Uh, the the food content that you're constantly sharing. I feel like I've gained ten pounds by watching Makes your you Instagram story. <laughs> That's awesome. So when you talk about that, <laughs> but let, let's talk about the formation of the business and, and how it came to be with the logo. Let, let's just jump right in because at some point you decided to do this thing. Right. What I, was that? Know. What was that? Aha! I want to hear about the aha moment. What was the aha moment? Because what I'm hearing from you is that for several years, going back many many moons now. Uh, it's you've been having this uh, sort of conversation with yourself. It's been this burning desire to do something for yourself around food. Right. You've been acquiring skills along the way, building your portfolio, figuring things out. But at some point you arrive, there's an aha moment. Mm -hmm. What is it for you? Are you laying on the couch just thinking that's it? 
tomorrow. Let's go. No, and that 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 happens to some people, and it doesn't to a lot. You know, like for me, it's like okay, I have this hashtag, and my brother, of course, made this janky. I love him. Made this janky logo for me of of a Beats Eats logo, and we ran with that for a long time. And okay. I had. Um, makeshift things right yeah. because it was like you don't have the money to invest in graphic designer or you don't have the money to do these things but you want to you know you need a business card so you make do along the way absolutely and, and things change and the best advice that i can give anyone is like somebody always asks well, what was your plan and i think because i didn't have a plan i didn't have a solid plan i was so open to the opportunities, right? And I was open to seeing things in a different light because I wasn't tunnel vision on something that I had told myself five years ago. Um, so I started with this, you know, okay, let's let's create a brand. Let's start with Beats Eats and let's do, it was like you would get hired to do this event and you would get hired to do that event. Yeah. And, and um, there's a difference between throwing money at a business plan and it develops overnight and you can buy customers and you can buy, you know, certain things and just as fast as you threw money at it and it was created it can fall apart the same way so for me it was um focusing more on how to build this in a stable way right like how to build client relations because okay maybe for the first i mean i've been building this business for the last six years now right and only in the last three years really i'm like oh i'm in business yeah. The, the last year and a half, I would say specifically, I'm like, oh shit, I'm like in business, business. Like, yeah. I'm like doing, you know what I mean? You're doing like, the do <laughs> now. Hey, hey, you're and at the point of no return. There's no rear view mirror. And that's sometimes every day when I wake up, I'm like, <laughs> look at this life I'm living. I work yeah. on my own schedule. I pick my own clients. I don't, you're, you're finally at a point where I'm like, nah, I don't want to work for you. I don't have to work with you. And then you realize you're in a good spot, right? But it takes time and Absolutely. it takes effort and it takes hard work and it takes so many, um, there are so many days that I wake up and I'm like, this is incredible. And equally, there are so many days that I wake up and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> Every <laughs> entrepreneur asks that question. Right? Like, but you know, the difference is, and I had this conversation with one of our previous guests, Michael Varsieg, you know, he mentioned, I believe something to the effect of it's like, if you're, it's a Friday night and you're working for an employer, you feel very different than if it's a Friday night and you're working for yourself late. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing that drives me, I think, right? There's been a lot of um, failed relationships and hard hardship on friendships and hardship on my family, even because they're like, oh, we're doing all these things and sorry, I'm working and I'm always working and I'm always working and I'm yep. always working. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, I worked five days this month. And I don't have to work other than that, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that doesn't happen all the time. But but in the times that it does happen, you're like, oh, shit, this is great. Like, yeah. and, and you probably what, want to work. I mean, the work is right. not work by what most people think about. Oh, you do what you I do. love. I love it's, what I do. You're waking up and you just can't wait to do it. Yeah, it's been cool. I don't think um, I don't think I'm at a defined moment of my career yet to say like beats eats is this right um but at the moment i'm doing health-based meal prep um a lot of it is for athletes here in orange county um nfl players basketball players um even just regular you know people regular joes like me regular joes yeah they're on this beats (laughs) eats meal plan and i always tag on my instagram stick to the plan because truly like i've had some clients who now have been eating my food for over a year and they've seen so much progress and they've seen so much success and they feel so good I put myself on the plan too. Like um, I noticed that in your IG story. Yeah, and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, look at these abs coming. Definition, <laughs> hello. I never thought for the person who eats, out eats herself. I can out eat anybody, trust me. Really, could oh, you yeah. Could you enter into that hot dog eating sure. contest in I New can, York? This girl you could eat. do that. 
I can eat. I tell what you about that. the big pizza challenges? Where I they could eat? do that too. Are you? So- <laughs> oh yeah, I can down some food. But now I'm like, um, now that I put myself, but then you feel bad, right? Yeah. And the biggest thing with food that you notice when you go out to restaurants is like it's tasty and it's delicious, but you leave and you feel bad, yeah, right? It's the quality like, ingredients, right? And the so way now, they prepared and who knows what else, right? Right. So now all of a sudden we're on this like clean fuel, you know, train and everybody else is on it and everyone loves it. And the difference I think between my meal plan and others, other meal prep companies is um, for other companies, you go online and you see the 12 options and you can click and choose however right. many you want, put it in your basket and that's what you get for the week. <clears throat> and every once in a while they'll throw in a new item, but for the most part, it's the same, 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 same right? These, these clients of mine have been eating my food for over a year and I have never once put out a menu and they've never once been able to choose what they want. So they'll go online, they'll fill out like a client questionnaire and they tell me what they like and they don't like and what they're allergic to and what they want, what their goals are. And I make whatever I want and they eat it week by week. You're like the Steve Jobs at Apple. (laughs) I will design the phone that I want you to have in your hand. If you want to be on my meal plan, you get to eat the food that I want to make. That's the thing with chefs is like the one thing that gets taken from them over and over again is the ability to create their own food, right? If you're a chef at a restaurant, you can kind of create a new menu, but you're cooking what's the style of the restaurant. you got to stick to that style, right? You lose the creativity. Right. And this really is a platform where I get to cook unapologetically. I get to cook whatever the hell I feel like making. And people are happy to eat it. It's like a gift box every Monday when they open their bag, right? It's like, what do we get to Surprise! eat? Surprise! <laughs> and you can Spicy mac and cheese. Right? My dad helped me on the menu this week. <laughs> right. And sometimes you throw things in there and, and they can give their feedback, right? That's the thing is like these clients, um, I've got about 25 people who I cook for now. And I brought on another chef who also helps me. And, and the fun of it is, okay, now you have a new chef and this is his style of food and so the clients who get signed on are signed on under him and they get to enjoy his style and his creativity as long as it fits in your box right fits with what you like and don't like fits within your macros fits within your goal fits within those things but you're you're um you're eating the food of a chef who gets to cook what they feel like brilliant for you now now, let me ask you a question is this something that a lot of other people in this category meal prep are just not doing I don't think, from what I know, nobody else is doing this. All right, shh, let's hope they're not listening because (laughs) I I mean, this sounds great. I mean, I'm one of those type of people when I go to a restaurant and and I find that there's two types. There's ones that show up, they see something on the menu, then they modify the whole thing. Right. I always show up and just order what's on the menu. I said, you know what, you decide. Because that's how it's supposed to be. I'm here to have that experience, right? right? Exactly. I can completely appreciate where you're coming from in terms of the creativity and uh, doing this um, in, in a way that feeds your soul and also feeds them. Right, right. So that's part of it, right? It's like, okay, and I and I never really thought I was going to be in the meal prep world, but um, I was working, you know, for Cooking for Will Greer. He's quarterback and um, for, for, he just moved out to the Panthers, I think. Um, he was cooking for him for a little bit and was doing his food and he was, you know, working out at a... Um, at a facility in Anaheim and it was like one thing after the other and then I just got another client and another client and then and then now all of a sudden okay I'm in the meal prep world which I never thought you know that I would be in but the people are happy and they want it. it they want So the it. so the meal prep is the bulk of your business but you're still doing catering correct Catering yeah so so um, a lot of what I do is custom catering um they call it boutique style catering um and that's the other thing is like, for example, you go and I learned this from, you know, from Krem or from 24, but this, the price is set 
That's the price. So when you go on, you, you depending on how many people and what items you want from mm-hmm. the menu, the price is the like same. Like fifteen dollars no a plate, twenty a plate, twenty five. Right, um, but custom catering is different because there. I again because I grew up on both ends of the spectrum. I grew up not having the luxury of having these luxuries, and then I grew up the second half of my life being able to afford these kind of luxuries. And that's not for food. That's not okay. Right, food is something that should be accessible to everybody. Um, the experience of having a chef come and help you and cook for you and give you this experience and put on this, um, this, you know, party and entertain you should be accessible to everybody. So I've always lived my career in a way that when the client comes and they're like, "This is what I want," I always ask them, "Okay, what is your budget?" And for me, because this is my business and I'll run it however I damn well please, you tell me what your budget is and I'll tell you and what I'll make I can the do magic for happen. you. Right. What can I do for you within your budget? Then you can decide, okay, can I move the budget up a little bit or not? And that, to be honest, that also like not very many people are doing. And that's um, when you take the the like corporate side and you put in the human side right Right. being compassionate towards other people and having feelings for other people and like caring that you know this this person might be a single mother and they want to throw a birthday party for their kid who's turning five and they don't have the means to do it and so does that mean that they don't get you know the same type of party as these like chloe kardashian who just threw a birthday party for her one-year-old daughter for millions of dollars you know what i mean there's a big difference but like why shouldn't you be able to have something comparable so for me it's like yeah i'll do it for you sure why not so that on its own again it was never i never thought that i would be in this industry and on its own it has taken off and on its own it's been word of mouth and it's like spread like wildfire right so now both sides of this business are growing uh, too fast in my opinion like faster than i can keep up with but at the same time like what a good place to be it's a good place to be yeah and that that really just probably i mean it speaks to you it speaks to your hard work and it speaks to your product, mm-hmm. product being that food and that experience that you create. I mean, a lot of times I talk with various people about, you know, the level of competition that exists. And I always emphasize you can always compete on care. Right. You can always compete on care. Right. You can always set yourself apart, how you take care of people, how you nurture them. You know, when you speak to, you know, taking that phone call or texting late at night or whatever it looks like. I mean, that's what's going to set you apart mm-hmm. from others. And that's why they come back, right? And the referral, word of mouth, I always tell my clients, word of mouth is the kindest compliment you could ever give me. And they do. And the and the referrals are like, that's the thing where it's like, oh, so-and-so said it was great. And that's what keeps people um, stuck to you is because everyone has nothing but good things to say about it, right? So great i mean we're exactly in, we're in so place. so i have a question uh, pertaining to the, the starting of the business uh, before we move into the last set of questions is what advice would you give to somebody listening to this podcast um that is thinking about getting into catering or meal prep or starting in the journey that you took which is around mm-hmm. food what advice would you give them what are maybe one two or three things whatever you care to share i think definitely from my own experience finding a mentor in that and you might have many mentors right like for me for example um the the key people in my life who have really shown me and taken the time to like put up i'm not an easy person to deal with i should put that very nice to work with but of course i'm not in the kitchen with you podcast right (laughs) (laughs) but i think relatively speaking again i am my dad my dad's daughter and i am um a type and i have an aggressive personality and i am you know relatively ruthless and but not an aggressor 
No, just, <laughs> just somebody, <laughs> right? <laughs> just somebody who is like, you want You're on it, you want I the best. going after it, yeah. yeah. And there's been very um, key people in my life who have guided me and who have shown me and who have taken the time to explain to me and show me things. And that's the best thing, right? Is because in a short amount of time, I've learned what most people would learn in a lifetime. Um, and they've been there when I've needed them. And even now, like there are some people who, you know, I have a couple of people on Instagram who will message me. And although sometimes I feel like I'm too busy to respond, I always have to check back in with myself. And I'm like, remember you were that person who was messaging being like, hey, how did you do that? Hey, that looks really cool. Like, can you show me how to make that? And there are some times where I'm like, I don't have the time to, but then I'm like, no, you, of course you have the time because that's what it was, right? It was somebody right. took the time to show to help me, you. right? Yeah. So I think that's the key is like, um, don't stick to one thing. Okay. Don't stick to, um, if you want to get into this industry, which there are so many, the beauty of culinary is that I can go the rest of my life and do something different every six months and I'll still be in culinary and I will still be a chef and I can do something very different. I can do meal prep. I can do catering. I can be a private chef. I can work in a restaurant. I can go work on a resort. I can work on a boat. Like there are so many things that you can do in the same field. Um, and that's the beauty of it, right? Is like keep changing, keep evolving, keep evolving, keep, keep changing. So keep your skills fresh, right? Keep will be willing to learn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and learn from the people who are around you. Um, there's this stigma with chefs that that they, if somebody is in the kitchen and they're trying to show you something, don't say I know. I oh I got it. I know. I know how to do this already. You don't have to show me, right? Because how they show you is very different than how somebody else will show you. And there is no one way to do something. So for you to be like, oh, I got it, I know, you already are closing yourself off to information. And information is like the the king of the world, right? To be informed and to be, to, to have this, um, I can do something four different ways. That's what can set you apart from somebody who only knows how to make lasagna one way. Yeah. But if I'm gonna, you can, I'm gonna follow that advice next time I'm in the kitchen. Right. I, I got this. I got no, no. <laughs> tell me. I'm you gonna pay attention. Me. Yeah. You can show me, please. It's good. It's the best to like be be humble, right? Just let them. Even if you know how and you don't think they know how, cool. Just let them show you, anyways. What's the harm? They're gonna show you, and then you're gonna go about your business, anyways. Exactly. And they're gonna feel good. Right. Last few set of questions for you here as we wrap this up. Sure. So I like to ask a few random questions and we'll see what we get. So the first question is, what is your favorite book and why? I don't know. I read a lot of cookbooks. That's okay. So not a lot of, um, you know, I do love Kitchen Confidential. Kif Kitchen, Kitchen, Confidential? Kitchen Confidential? Yeah, that is um, one of my favorite books, I would say. Okay. Um. It's just very raw. You know, it's a very um, good perspective of what it is to, because people make this chef life, hashtag chef life, look so like glorious. And no, glamorous. it's all glamorous <laughs> online, right? And it's not, you know, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of burns and cuts and bruises and, and, and bangs to your ego and makes you feel like shit a lot of the time. You know what I mean? Like there's so many days when I wake up and I'm like, I'm not cut out for this, but yes, you are. And that book, um, I would say is, is quite a raw insight to like what it is to go through the whole chef life. Okay. Next question. If you can only travel to one more place in the world, where would it be and why? I would go and I say this because it's my favorite place so far. Um, I would go back to the Philippines. I would open a taco shack 
And I would live the rest of my life <laughs> so happy. <laughs> Eating tacos or being in the Philippines? Both. 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 What part of the Philippines? Anywhere. I would move around. I'd open multiple taco shacks. And I, it doesn't have to be tacos. It could be anything. I could make like pita and hummus for God's sakes. It doesn't matter what it is. But there is a very different... Um, I've traveled around quite a bit. Um, I will continue to travel for the rest of my life. Um, there's something very magical about the Philippines and the way that the people are and the way that they view life. And it's funny because living here in California, which in my opinion is um, some of the most expensive real estate because of where we are, right? It's beautiful and um, everything is upkept and, you know, the weather is And that weather, the consistency in the weather. Right. And in the Philippines, you have, um, imagine Southern California tenfold, um, and the people who are living on what would be million-dollar property don't have electricity, right? So can you imagine like living somewhere that's 10 times as beautiful as Southern California and yet you have no electricity and like little to no food? But that's the, it's like, it's such a difference in perspective. Absolutely. Right? I would go back there for sure. Next question. What is the last random act of kindness that you did towards another individual and how to make you feel? I'm all about acts of kindness. In my mind, I wake up every day and I feel that every day you should, um, perform an act of kindness it can be something so small you know like my one of my best friends Therese she is my girl and every I learned from her because she, I call her my my wife because she every morning she sends me a good morning text message good morning how are you like I hope you have a great day and at first I was like man she writes me all the time <laughs> <laughs> I might have to mute this and one then, right and then all of a sudden I'm like it is it it's so important to check in with your friends and to just tell them that you care for them and tell them that they're great. Or I have another friend, Mike, who every time I talk to him, he makes it a point to be like, Bita, you are great. And I hear it so often from him that I feel like he just says it because that's what he says. But every time he says it, I'm like, you make me feel so good when you tell me that you think I'm great, you know? So I try to do that. I try to do, um, you don't have to do something huge. It can be something so small. You can smile at a stranger. You can hold the door for somebody walking out with groceries. You can, you know what I mean? Like there's so many ways to make somebody feel like I see you and I'm here to help you even though I don't know you and I may not even, you know, have no reason to care for you, but I'm still. I love that. I, I agree with you, you 100%. Right. So that's like, that's a big thing. And the, and, the, and the last question I have is where can people find you online? Mostly on Instagram. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at chef.mbeats. Um, on the website, beatseats.com. Um, you can, whatever. I mean, Facebook, Instagram. Instagram probably, I would say, is the is the best way. But, you know, you never know. Maybe next year I'll be on Food Network. Or yeah, <laughs> it should be on TV. Competing for these. You never know. With That's the way funny. my life has been going, I feel like it's funny because people are like oh i haven't seen you in five years what's new and they'll give you know a mini update and for me every like three months i'm like man it's changing like it's quick. moving like, quick there is, yeah but that's well, the, that's the beauty of owning your own business right well we know that we're going to see you on tv someday and i want to thank you so much for your time and for uh me. it's such a pleasure to have you on the show and and that's i great. and i hope our audience uh you know took some great things from your story as i'm sure they did and uh look forward to having you again thank someday you. after you're on tv yes definitely so thank you so much of course good to be here thank you